So out to the track, Dalila Muhammad already in the block. I just feel like this is Dalila's race because she's going to still go out very hard. Can Dalila Muhammad deliver here under the most intense pressure? I wanted it so bad that literally every single thing that I felt achieved my goal, I said yes to, and every single thing that didn't, I said no. Dalila Muhammad is going to produce. Delilah Muhammad became the first American woman to win a gold medal in the 400 meter hurdles. The most important thing in life is just to listen to that inner voice that tells us kind of where to go in life and what our goals are. Muhammad on the line and it's a new world record. You can't say world record when I say Delilah Muhammad. It is about just kind of having that perseverance and that ability to kind of keep going when things do get tough. Really put things into perspective. What's holding you back? What's that fear? And being able to really distinguish what that is and push through it. Welcome to the Toughness Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Steinfort. And today, following on from Olympic success and one of the specials that we had on this show, we've got a great guest that fits not only the theme of Olympic champions, but also embodies toughness in her journey to the top and everything that she's gone through along the way. And I'll try not to use the pun hurdles too many times. Delilah Muhammad is a world champion, an Olympic champion, multiple gold medals in each of those areas. Also has been a world record holder and a trailblazer in many ways. And I uh, can't wait to dig into your story. Welcome to the show, Delilah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, really cool. I, I think when a mutual friend of ours raised your name when he knew the type of show that we run here and uh, he said you would be a great guest, I was like, yeah, sure, you know, it's great to have Olympians on. But then he told me a little more about your background, your upbringing and what you've been doing repeatedly now at multiple Olympic Games. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cool. And he knows you, I think, from New York circles, but you grew up in Jamaica, Queens, New York, right? And so tell us how a, a young girl running around the blocks of Jamaica, Queens, ends up running around a 400-meter hurdle course and winning gold medals. Well, honestly, that's literally how I got started, just running around Jamaica, Queens. I was just like that type of kid that was just very, very active. I was definitely a little bit of a tomboy when I was very, very young. And my first coach ever kind of just discovered me from literally racing the boys in the park. And he just kind of asked, like, no, begged my mother for me to join the track team. And that's literally how I got started. It took a couple tries for my mother to kind of allow me to be on the track team. But after that, I've just been running ever since. It's, I read a little bit of your background that there was talk early on of your mom wasn't necessarily that keen on you taking on the hurdles in particular. So she gave in and let you go and do the track stuff, but she wasn't keen on the hurdles because she thought you might hurt yourself. Talk us through that. How did you, you convince her or your coach or... So my coach kind of, so when I was young, he kind of just put us in all races, all events, kind of taught us how to do every single thing. I've hurdled, I've high jumped, I even did a race walk once, but the first time I ever did hurdles, I fell and I came home with the scars. I think I you know I still have the scars to kind of show you that that fall, but so I fell over the hurdles that day and I came home, I told my mother what happened and like, she like, March to the track the next day, like my daughter is not doing hurdles like anymore. That's that of that. And then after that, we kind of just me and my coach just kind of he would just tell me like, okay, just don't tell your parents like we're going to keep doing it because I wanted to also. But also just kind of like they'll come around. That was kind of his idea and his mentality, his attitude towards it. And eventually my parents did come around and 
yeah, I've kind of been hurdling <laughs> since then. Ever since. And so that's a, a great metaphor for getting started in your journey, falling over and like literally for you taking on those same hurdles again. Why, why do you think, how old were you at that point? Man, I was probably about 10 years old. Okay. So at the age of 10, maybe we don't know much better, but you obviously, you fell and you, you hurt yourself. Has that been your attitude generally throughout life? Like you just dust yourself off and go again? You know, I think it has. I don't think at a young age I understood that mentality. But for me also, it was just all my friends was doing it. I didn't want to be the one that couldn't. I think that was kind of like my mindset growing as a very young child. It was kind of like watching other people do it always inspired me. And it was kind of like since I was on a track team, a club team, there were so many other kids that did hurdles. And I always kind of had this mentality of wanting to be the best or so to me, it was kind of like, yeah, I fell. I'm really hurt right now, but I'm not going to like show them or let them see it. It's just kind of like, let's get back up and keep going. Yeah. We asked this of all of our guests and I'll be curious to hear how it applies in, in your experience. When you think about your, obviously the childhood growing up, getting in the track, you've gone to multiple Olympics, you're a world champion record holder, world record holder. I can list off all the achievements and I'll keep referring back to it because it's pretty cool, but in all that experience, plus just living life as a black woman in America, what does toughness mean to you? Oh, man, what does toughness mean to me? You know, I think it is about just kind of having that perseverance and that ability to kind of keep going when things do get tough, that kind of ability to really put things into perspective and the ability to not only put things into perspective, but to put things in perspective to the ability to be able to reach your goals, to kind of just compartmentalize exactly what you're doing. What's holding you back? What's that fear? And being able to really distinguish what that is and to be able to kind of really push through it. So for me, it's just about being that, you know, having that perseverance, the, the showing up every day, even when things get hard. And yeah, and just your commitment to it. Yeah, the, you mentioned there that also the recognition of fear in some instances is like being okay to have fear, but still do your stuff anyway. We'll circle back to that. I just wanted to flag it because I know that's going to come up later on. Tell us about the first time in that. So you, you've discovered that you're a good runner or maybe someone spotted that you're a good runner because you've beaten the boys. And then uh, you get in the hurdles, you trick your parents and all of a sudden they're okay with it. As you start to progress along, where's the first time you stumble on it? You actually have a metaphorical hurdle on your journey to eventually to win gold at the Olympics and the world championships. But somewhere along the line, like as you hit real competition, What's your first hurdle on that journey? I oh, mean, there were a lot. You know, there was definitely a lot growing up. I remember it's so funny because a story that really hit with me recently was the Simone Biles when she kind of had the twisties. She talked about it. I had that once. And I think in track and field, we don't really, we don't call it that. But I remember at a very young age, I used to do the high jump. So this is even before I did hurdles. I was actually a better high jumper growing up. But there came to a point where I can no longer jump over the bar. I remember I would run up to the bar and it was like, like a fear. I didn't know what it was. I think as we got older, the bar gets higher. You know, if anybody's familiar with the high jump, you're kind of, it's a, the event where you're literally going until you fail. So I think having that behind your, your mind, it's like you, at some point you have to fail in this event. So for me, I think that idea, it didn't sit comfortable with me. So it got to a point where I no longer would jump. I'd go up to it and I'd just keep running around the bar every single time. And I was only about 14 years old when this happened. So, but that was like the first time that something was a mental block for me that I, I mm. didn't 
So it's kind of very similar. When that thing happened with Simone, it kind of reminded me of that situation. And it kind of put things into perspective for me, like, wow, is that what was happening <laughs> to me at such a young age? And I remember just my coach just taking me away from the event and just telling me, like, giving me time to just relax. And he actually changed my approach. So I used to high jump from the left side. And maybe I took like a couple months off and he had me go from the right side. And that just having a different perspective coming up to the bar kind of made me, gave me the ability to be able to jump over it again. So that's just kind of like one like quick little story that I can think of. But, you know, I think something that just really a real, I would say, fallback I had was in college. I think, you know, in college, that's when I, I come from, you know, being very almost one of the top recruits out of high school. And going into college, it was really, really difficult for me. I no longer, I think kind of just being in the atmosphere where you're no longer the best and you kind of have to really work for it. And I just really struggled in college. I think that was like the biggest hurdle, I guess, as you would call it in my life at that point in time. And just not really being, like, living up to like, I guess, the expectations that I had. Right. right. Let me, let me, I'm going to take both of those stories and smash them in together and make them one. Like your coach when you were 14 and you got stuck running up to bar and you just wouldn't, you couldn't do, couldn't make yourself do it, even though you might've wanted to, he gave you some space and then he changed it. He came at it from a different angle, right? Was there a part of college where you've gone in there, you've gotten a little stuck or like weighed down by the expectations. What was it that helped you get through that? Was there a different angle or a different way you looked at things? How did that evolve? I think it did. I think that's, you know, for me, unfortunately, it took maybe out of college, like my first, my last race in college for me to kind of look at things from a different angle, a different perspective. I think when I got to college, I got stuck in this mindset that I no longer wanted it, that I wasn't performing to the ability that I wanted for myself. So I convinced myself that I no longer wanted to run. I no longer cared about track and field. This just God must have another plan for me because this is just not working out. And it wasn't until my last race in college. It was actually at the Olympic trials. I'm a senior and it was 2012 Olympic trials. And I remember just not advancing to the semifinals. So I was eliminated in the very first round. And I remember just the overwhelming sadness that I had. And but going into this race, I knew I had the mindset. This is my last college race. You know, I was going to get a job after this, move on from running. And that was it. And I was completely fine with it. But I think just having that overwhelming feeling of sadness, it made me realize how much I really wanted this. And I was having called me after the race. And she was just like, you know, a simple question. She was just like, what happened? And for her, she literally just wanted to know, like, how did the race go? But for Who was me, that? Who called you? Sorry, it cut out. So my mother. My, directly after the race, I was eliminated from that race in the Olympic trials, the very first round. And that simple question, I think I just took it so much deeper than what she even meant it. To me, it was literally like, what happened to the last four years of your life? And that's how I took it. I'm, I'm like expressing my frustration with her on the phone. And she's just kind of like a little bit puzzled. But also, <laughs> I guess it changed my idea. It made me realize how much I wanted this and how much fear had become a factor. And how much, and it made me feel undone. And that there was something left in the tank and I had to go forward and I had to address those feelings and just give myself another chance. Wow, that's a really cool, I'm sure you didn't think it was cool at the time, but that's a really cool transformation story where you've actually, the hurdle that's knocked you down and could have finished you mm -hmm. actually 
potentially made you? Like it changed, would you say you changed your motivation and your, your application from then on? It did. I think it gave me the motivation that I needed. It definitely, just having that different perspective, it, it made me see things and I guess how the, the reality of what the situation actually was. I was upset, I think. Well, not even I know. I was upset that I just wasn't performing to what I, the expectations that I had for myself. And I wanted to, but for whatever reasons, it wasn't working out in college. And yeah, it just gave me that motivation, that extra push that I needed to really find a new gear, so to speak. You're listening to Toughness, a podcast where some of the world's best performers from different fields share their personal stories about pressure, stress, and success. This series of interviews is a product of the Human Performance Think Tank, with thanks to the U.S. Army and Booz Allen Hamilton. Coming up later in the show. I wanted it so bad that literally every single thing that I felt achieved my goal, I said yes to, and every single thing that did it, I said no. So damn proud. We ask this of a lot of our guests too. Tell us what's a key trait of people in your area. Obviously, to become an Olympic champion, to even make the Olympics, you need to have a high level of motivation. But beyond that, what what do you think is something that makes an Olympic champion? To be able to deal with everything, all the hurdles along the way to eventually getting on that podium. Well, if you ask a famous coach, Brooks, he says you have to be a little bit crazy and I... (laughs) And I think I agree. But, you know, ultimately, I think it's the ability to just compartmentalize. I think so much we look at the bigger picture and we look at the end goal, but it's the ability really to just do it day by day, to take those necessary things that you need to do on a daily basis. It's waking up right. It's being able to do your workout in that moment, just being focused on the little goals and not so much. Yes, you always want to have that bigger picture in your mind and you know what you're working towards. But your everyday life should just focus on the little things and the little things that you can accomplish and the little goals that you can set every single day. Love it. I, I think it's setting me up for this question. That So shout out to our uh, mutual friend, Chris Holland. He suggested I ask you this. Now, I have no idea where this is leading, but I think this might be tied into what you just said about going away from the bigger picture and just focusing on what, what's right in front of you. He said, make sure you ask her about what her coach, what her track coach told her when she broke the world record the last time, just before you stepped onto the track. Oh, man. (laughs) Now I feel like he's putting me on the spot. Oh, my God. Chris, you've set me up. I think, okay, before I broke the world record, what did my coach say? I did. I don't actually remember. I'm not even going (laughs) to (laughs) make Because we have so many moments between us that, We just have so many moments and we talk about it constantly, but I did speak about this, the general idea of our relationship that I feel is so special. And I think that's just the belief that I feel like he has in me and that, that trust that I have in him. And for me, I think before breaking that world record for the first time, I remember just kind of looking at him and looking for his reassurance. And it's just like, he gave it to me without question. It wasn't, it wasn't even anything he said, but more just the look. And it was just like, I knew I can do it. And that's just all I needed. And it's just like, we have that relationship where we can feed off each other, but we bounce out. We just give each other like what the other person needs. And I, and I love that about us, that coach athlete relationship. And yeah, for me, it's always just, I think for me, it's just enabled to kind of reach like these crazy, crazy goals 
sometimes you have to let go. And I think that's, that sounds weird. Cause sometimes it seems like you want to be all in, but sometimes it's like letting go, giving another person. So it's not, that, not so much control, but letting another person kind of lead you and to reach even bigger goals that you thought wasn't even possible. And I feel like that's kind of our relationships has been kind of letting someone else lead or just kind of playing your role. I'm the runner, he's the coach. And yeah, it just, it works for us and just kind of really giving me that reassurance I guess I needed in that moment. That's an an awesome example of one of the common things that comes up here. People look at famous people or successful people like yourself, some of the other celebrities or superstars we've had on the show. And they're like, oh, wow, Delilah Muhammad, she must be like a mate. She's different than us, right? And you are a little bit. Like you said, you got to be a little crazy to do what you do. But, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, he must be different. Yeah, he's seven foot and 300 pounds. And there's like, people are different. But there's one common theme is that no one ever gets to where they're getting with by themselves. There's always people who have helped them, who have supported them, who sometimes lead them when they need leading or direction or guidance or reassurance. How did you discover that? Like, at what point did you and that coach meet? Or was there someone like that previously as well? Like, has that been a consistent theme for you? You know, it hasn't. I think for me in college, that wasn't the case. I wasn't, it's like, you're kind of trying to do every single part. And I, I'm a true believer that you need a team around you. That's why, you know, our mutual friend, I'm so happy to have found him in my life. It's just that mutual, I mean, that team that allows us to be able to do what we do. I think in college, I was trying to play every single role and that could be a factor. When I found my current coach, it was in 2016. So a couple of years, I had already graduated from college. It was an Olympic year. And I remember just thinking like, I had a great a couple of years back as a professional athlete, but I, I was kind of falling off and I wasn't really where I wanted to be. And for me, it was kind of making that coaching change. And it was Olympic year also. And I remember just thinking, I want to win gold. That was kind of like the mindset where I was going with it. And it was just kind of like, how do I do it? And I couldn't come up with an answer. Mm. So it was just, I think it was in that moment where it was just like, I know I need to change coaches, but what's next after that? I know I need to do this, but all the things on the track, I just didn't have any answers anymore. For me, especially coming from being a really good runner as a child, it's just like, I felt like I'm like, I did everything. I, I do everything I can do on the track and it, it's not enough. At least that's how my mindset was at the time. And so it was just like, what else can I do? And oh, I didn't I need have someone who knew. Yeah. And I needed someone who knew. And it was just like, let me trust this person knows. And yeah. for that, it was just kind of like, I'm going to say yes to every single thing that he tells me to do. And I literally <laughs> did that. I think from it working out so well in 15 and 2014, I wasn't ranked in the world. In 2016, I won Olympic gold. So I think from it being such a drastic change in my life, such having such drastic success, it was just like, this is the formula. Yeah, it worked. That is drastic. Can you like, okay, I'm going to dig in here in a selfish way because I'm currently interviewing my role with a, an international football federation. I'm currently interviewing for a new head coach for the national team to take them to the Olympics when they go. And uh, one of the questions that we've been asking that we really don't get great answers from people who've never been there is, what does it take to win an Olympic gold medal? Now, this is at a team level, right? There's a lot of things that go into it. But you just described, like, you went from unranked to gold medalist at the Olympics in a year or in two years. But, wow, that's crazy. So 
what would you say if I asked you that question and you were interviewing? Like, what's your answer? What does it take to win a gold medal at the Olympics? Yeah, well, we talked about it, a team. I think having people that inspire you around you, your team needs to be, has, a, has, has that coach. You need to have those people around you that inspire you and those people that push you. I think for me, that made a huge change, a huge difference, being completely committed. And that commitment you know, it, it's, I think that's kind of the hardest part for people, honestly. For me, it was just in that moment, I wanted it so bad that literally every single thing that I felt achieved my goal, I said yes to. And every single thing that did it, I said no. And it was just like a clear line. Am I going to go do this tonight knowing I have to go to practice? No, I'm going to get the sleep that I need. And so for me, it was just that 100% being committed. And that includes like the diet and all those those little things that you, it, just like all the little things matter. So yeah. I'll just bump that into commitment. Obviously you need to be motivated. <laughs> that, it's going to be hard. That, that motivation needs to be there. But I think motivation, we always look at it as like this, what motivates you? And it's like this huge thing. And motivation could be so simple. Motivation could be today. I'm motivated because I had a great conversation with my sister last night that like, I just grabbed inspiration and motivation from just little things in my life that keep me going every single day. So for me, I guess those are like the really big things. And honestly, you know, your work ethic for me, that kind of goes in with commitment and motivation, but yeah, definitely work ethic has to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like you, the fact that you started with the team number one was interesting. Cause I always say performance starts with people. You can have all the other things, right. But there's, the human side of it, having the team or the family around you. But then the very next thing you said, yep, work, you eventually said work ethic and motivation, goals, blah, 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 blah. Yep, sure. But the first thing you said was commitment. And it's a really interesting answer. It's come up regularly and it actually does, it's almost a leading one. Once you have that, once you're all in, right? There's no, I'm not negotiating on whether I have a burger tonight. I'm not negotiating on whether I sleep or not. It's like, I'm here to win a gold medal not here to be at the Olympic Games. And I think Chris is actually, I just sent him a text when I asked that question before. I'm like, what the hell, bro? You sent me up with this question. You don't know the answer. And he said something like, he told her, you have to win. Like, there's no other choice. This is about winning, right? Not about a world record. And that helped you reorient your focus. But it's kind of a tie-in to this answer here where when you go to the Olympics and it's just about going to the Olympics, that's one mindset. But when you're going to win, that's really different. And it's almost the, you know, let's talk for a moment about being in an Olympic final because you've been in a couple now, more than a couple, and not all of them have been successful, right? But you get to that moment and then there's no going back. We talk about this a lot. I've talked about it with people who do emergency medicine, the chief flight operator of NASA, Navy SEALs, like people, New York Fire Department, people who do things where like, all right, we're about to step into this situation and if this screws up, someone fucking dies, right? It's not going to happen to you as an Olympic medalist, but all of the work you've put in, it's all for nothing if this doesn't work, right? So as you're getting ready for that, like, is there something that sets you apart from others where you're able to like step into that situation and just feel like, all right, I'm going to go up a gear or I'm just calm and everyone else is losing their shit? Like, what is it for you in those moments, that clutch element that people talk about? You know, I always kind of didn't believe that was a thing to be honest, or at least I didn't believe that I had it, I guess I would say. I think for me, I'll tell you until this one moment, but, you know, it's funny you mentioned that thing kind of just about 
it's a different mindset that you have kind of breaking a world record and trying to run away, win a race. And that's so very, very true. There's been so countless times I'm looking at my coach and I'm like, do you want me to run fast or do you want me to win? <laughs> and, and, you know, and I was just like, what, what's the goal here? And this is like early in the season when we're trying to just work on things. Because to me, those are not the same. And he'll give me an answer. It's like, it's funny enough, we have that understanding. We have that relationship where he knows exactly what I mean. And he understands that there is a difference because sometimes, well, I guess you're, some athletes are fortunate enough to go out there, win a race, and it, it might not be to their best of their ability. But yeah, I guess that's another topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this, this clutch thing that we talk about, I remember kind of, you know, and I, so once uh, since I was in a very small fender bender in LA, and I remember at that moment, like everything slowed down for me. And it was just like, I hit the corn. It was just like, so many things felt like the time slowed down for me. And it was just like, I kind of maneuvered the car in a certain way and kind of made it. So it was just like a very small fender bender rather than a huge accident. And I remember kind of being on the phone with the insurance company. And she's like, I'm like telling her the story. And she's kind of kind of being like snarky with me. Like all of this happened in a matter of 10 seconds and you can recall it. I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you what happened. And I was just like, okay, whatever. She thinks I'm lying, but okay, whatever. Moving on. Cause it clearly wasn't my fault anyway. And I remember telling my coach this story too. You know, I was late for practice that day. And I was like, I was explaining to my coach why I was late. And the, I guess the amount of detail that I recalled in that moment of what happened in those, that's, it was less than 10 seconds, probably a split, like a second. And him just saying, oh, because you have that clutch gene. And I'm just like, okay, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I guess it reminds me of being a little girl too. So I think some people kind of are born with it. And I guess if that's one thing I guess I'll own up to, I do feel like I've always been that way as a child. When things kind of got difficult, I always felt the pressure. I always felt the nerves, but I always pushed through anyway. And it was so funny because I think as a child, I used to win a lot of races. And, but for whatever reason, I always felt like I got lucky. Like I felt like I got lucky when I ran that race. Or I was just telling them, oh, I got lucky. Like, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized how much that ability to push through nerves makes a difference. Because as a young child, I never truly wasn't always the fastest. I truly always worked hard, but I never really was the fastest. But I always somehow would win a lot of races and for me I didn't realize until I got older because of my ability to kind of just work well under pressure mm. so it wasn't never that like so as a child though when you think about that it's just like oh I get lucky you are listening to toughness and if you're this far into the episode there's a good chance you like the show you can add to the conversation with the whole review rate subscribe and share thing If this helps just one person who needs to hear what our guests share to get them through today, it'll all be worth it. Stay tuned for more coming up, including. I think the most important thing in life is just to listen to that inner voice that tells us kind of where to go in life and what our goals are. So damn proud. So back then, when you were a kid, you were just naturally doing it. You just like that kid who just gets on the piano and starts tapping out the notes. Oh, okay, show off. But now that you're older and you've been under pressure, like when you go in particularly to your second Olympics or, you know, you've won the Olympic gold and now you're supposed to win the world championship. So it's different pressure, right? You've gone from unranked to Olympic gold medalist. And then three years later, you're at the world champs. People are looking at you like, oh, she's supposed to win. So when you're supposed to win and you're getting ready there 
behind the blocks, you line up, all the hurdles are laid out in front of you. Obvious pressure. And now you're aware of it. You're not just an innocent little kid who's just like, oh, I'm just going to run, right? How did you handle that? I think I just accepted that it was part of the sport. It's part of the job. I think that's really what that made that factor. I think for me, I'm not as nervous as I used to be, even with all of those accolades. And you think that it's probably the opposite. But for me, it was just like that preparation work. And that settles my nerves. It's just, for me, it's just like, if I feel prepared, then I can handle it. It's when I don't feel prepared that I'm nervous. But if I'm prepared, no matter what the situation, no matter what the accolades are, no matter if I'm ranked number one, whatever the situation, it's me feeling prepared. I think that cuts the nerves for me. It cuts just that anxiety and the pressure. And honestly, I think I just tell myself that I can do this. It's really just that simple. I think it's just like you worked for this and the moment is here. It's just every little doubt that I have in my head, I try to make into something positive. I'll talk about it. Uh, I'll have that like negative thought that comes across in your head and I'll just flip it. And it sounds kind of maybe, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, but. Try Too simplistic? (laughs) Yes, it's real simplistic and almost like, Oh, yeah. Do people actually do that? And it's like, yeah, I literally do that. And do I think it makes a difference? Yeah, I really do. Yeah, that's cool. I, I say sometimes some of the things that I work on with performances will end up saying that it's simple. It's not easy, though. Simple and easy aren't the same thing. It's a very simple thing to do, but particularly in tough times, hard to do. I want to flip now to we, we talked about having a, a team around you, right? And Part of the team are the people who support you. Part of the team are the coach who guides you, sometimes like tougher than others, but there's a few of those that sometimes part of the team are people we might not even know. Like you might have had a hero that you looked up to growing up. Once you got serious about your track, was there someone that you looked at and you like, want to be like that person? Yeah, I think there have been multiple people in my life. As I've gotten older, As my goals have changed, that person has changed. But yeah, I think it's definitely been people that I've looked up to from a small little girl. I remember this girl on my track team, Nina Kamate. She was the first person in our group to kind of get a scholarship to go to college. And I remember thinking like, wow, like I want to do that. Like you can do that. You can get a scholarship to like run track. And she went to a major university, um, University of Florida. So I remember thinking like that was the first person in our track, my group that I remember like really looking up to. Um, There's been Allison Felix, some people that you will know, like her just in different parts of my life, just like, wow, Allison's been able to do this. And I think her and, you know, her in particular, because she's done it for so long. And Mm. I think some people don't realize how hard it is. And I, I never realized how hard it is. I think I thought you kind of get to a point where you're like so good, where you just kind of don't have to work anymore. And it's just like, that's not true at all. <laughs> Every step is actually harder. And so to see that and to kind of know that and then see how long she's been able to be in the sport and to perform at such a high level, it's, it's honestly ridiculous. So I think her especially has just been those people that just motivate you and they don't even know it. Yeah, and that's a like you mentioned two examples there of having having the the hero that you might look up to. One is someone who makes it seem possible. You're like, oh wow, I can do that. Like she can do that. Maybe I can do that. And then the other is someone who sets a bar that like you have to chase. Every I had a coach once who said every runner needs something to chase, 
or someone to chase. So uh, two great examples there. For you now, in your position, with what you've already achieved and still so much more to come, you now are that person to some other young girls, right? And you, I can see you smiling and being humble and being like, oh, shucks, but that's true. Now, some of them might not end up, in fact, most of them, because it's pretty rare what you've done, will end up on a podium at Olympic Games or even making the Olympic Games or even, even getting scholarships to a college, right? But some of what you talk about and the examples you set can be applied to just life in general, right? Whether it's at school, whether it's in relationships, whatever. What would you say is the simplest takeaway you talk about from your own journey that you would say to a young 14-year-old girl in Jamaica, Queens now who looks up to you that you think actually applies to life, not just running? Yeah. And that's so true. It's like my journey is not going to look like every single person's. And that's okay. Because for me, it's never, you know, funny enough. Yes, I always wanted to win a a gold medal. But for me, it's just something that was inner inside me that I just wanted to follow. And I think that inner voice we all have and that it can be applied to anything. I think the most important thing in life is just to listen to that inner voice that tells us kind of where to go in life and what our goals are. That was just one talent that I had and I excelled at. But that's going to look different for somebody else. And whatever, for me, I think it's just that inner voice being able to kind of be crazy enough to follow it. That's really cool. I like that. Be crazy enough to follow it. I want to take that note and we'll start to wrap up the show shortly, but particularly talking about that intuition, crazy enough to follow it and having your own goals, like chasing after what you want. What is it you want now? Like you've literally achieved everything that you can achieve as a track star, right? You've got world record, world champion, Olympic champion, medals coming. Like I didn't, I didn't actually read out the numbers before because I just wanted to mention the events that you've won, but you have six combined, right? So three World Cup, three Olympic. Is that right? You've lost count. That's how good you are. I'm pulling up. Oh, no, four. Sorry. You've got seven. So four world champions, two golds, three Olympic, two golds, all these medals. Like now what? I'm still listening to that voice, honestly. And it's just been like, what's next? I think for me right now, I definitely, it means something to me to kind of give back to our sport and to just continue to set an example. There are still track goals that I would like to achieve. But also it's just kind of like that next step in life. And I feel like I am reaching that next step. I think there needs to be some changes within our sport. And for me, it's just kind of like, at least in my journey, I felt like it was hard to find people that were willing to kind of make those changes that need to happen within our sport, especially for women. So for me, it was just for now, it's kind of like you have this voice, you have these accomplishments. What happens next? How do you use them? So for me, I think it is, I don't exactly know all the right steps yet, but for me, it's definitely just continuing to follow that voice and to kind of make those changes within our sport. Awesome to hear. I'm sure you'll be, you'll succeed at that. Just like you've dominated the track for a number of years now from sharing your story as a young track athlete who fell over a hurdle and then wanted to get back up and do it again to coming at things from a different angle, being fully committed, having a team around you. And then, like you said, following that dream, listening to, what's inside you're an amazing example of toughness in action and so i want to thank you for coming on delilah it's been fantastic for people who want to follow your story a little closer or who want to just follow you in general what's the best way for them to to track you down excuse the pun by saying track but there it was instagram instagram definitely that's my most active social media dalala muhammad you can just follow me there 
yeah, just that. That's really it. I don't have Twitter. I don't do the Snapchat. So yeah, just Instagram. Nice. Well, again, Delilah, thanks so much for being on here and uh, good luck with what's coming up in the future. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. So what is it got to be so damn? Excellent, bustin' with the best of them. Simply impressive, no worry and stressin' out. I'm getting mine right now. Put your shades on and let me show you how. Yeah.